and inside you'll find not only an outline, but an invitation card. Are you bringing someone with you next Sunday? Bring someone. I've already got four people committed to come with me next Sunday. If I'm going to ask you to do it, I cannot lead where I'm not willing to go, right? So I want you to be bringing someone. Think about that. Who needs, who needs the gospel Who needs to hear the message of the risen Savior? We're going to be looking at that next Sunday morning. This morning, uh, kind of going to wrap up a little mini-series on leadership. You say, Bruce, why are you talking about elders and why are you talking about leadership? And today's message is going to be a more general lesson on leadership. Last week, we specifically looked at the kind of qualities that the Bible says an elder should have. And we've got men with these qualities right here at Crosspoint. Well, the reason is, when we were two entities and we came together to form one entity called Crosspoint, we had elders from both those other entities. And we said for at least the first year or so, we we would have two of those leaders from both sides, have voting privileges, and the rest would be advisory roles. But then we said, after some time, once everyone gets to know them, and we can back each other up and know what they're about, then we can put them before the congregation for reaffirmation. And so that's what we're going to be doing um, on Sunday, April the 3rd, unless there is any good cause why they should not serve as an elder of this congregation. And so if you know of any reason, let us know. Otherwise, we will reaffirm. Amen? Today, we're going to look at Jesus' style of leadership. Who was the greatest leader of all time? Wouldn't that not be Jesus Christ? Well, what was his style of leadership? Jesus was a servant leader. Can you imagine a our church right here at Cross Point, if we all walked as one man. Imagine our church here at Cross Point if we not only had unity, but we tried to outserve each other. Wouldn't that be unique? I remember one time Jane and I went probably an entire month on trying to outdo each other. No, 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 let me get it. No, 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 let me get it. No, it's my turn. Oh, Lord, let me serve you. It is so fun to do that. Coming off of 40 days of prayer. I don't know about you, but I noticed we were trying to be more loving to one another. And, and I miss the 40 days of love because we can so easily get out of it, can't we? But I need that weekly reminder. And I think we as a church need, this is not just a, an eldership message today, it's a leadership message. And every one of us can be a leader for Jesus if we serve like Jesus served. I want to give you one of the most radical verses you're going to ever find in the Bible. Look at this. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26. Anyone wanting 
to be a leader, there's that word, that's what we're talking about today, among you must be your what? Servant. Now, man, that's just the opposite of what the world says, isn't it? You know, we all want to rise to the top. Doesn't matter who we got to crawl over to get there. Doesn't matter who we got to pull down to get there. But once we get to the top, now it's like, ah, life of comfort. Everyone's going to serve me. Jesus just turns that idea on its head. He just reverses the whole deal. You want to be a leader, you must be a servant. And then he says in Matthew 28, verse 20, I don't just preach this, I practice this. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. And how did he do that? He gave his life a ransom for many. Let's look at seven traits of servant-hearted leadership this morning. Number one, and we're going to go kind of rapidly, so keep up. Number one, true servants... A true servant is totally committed to God's service. The psalmist will say in Psalm 119.10, With some of my heart... Oh, hold on, someone's laughing. Is that not what it says? With part of my heart... Oh, let me get my glasses on. With all of my heart, I will try to serve you, Lord. It's all. It's all in. When you say, I do to Jesus... You're saying, ready or not, here I come. I mean, that's the way I did. I was 12 years old when I said I do to Jesus. I didn't fully understand all that I was getting into any more than I understood when I said I do to a, a little girl named Jane Zapiti, and I married her. I didn't know all I was getting into. But I said I do, and I made a commitment, and I'm following through with that. Well, when we come to Christ, we don't know all that we're getting into, but I said, Lord, as much as not, I know how, I'm giving you all of my heart. Has it grown since then? Yes. And so is yours. But we're all in. There's no going back. I cannot not believe that there's a God. Can you? I know too much. I've read too much of this. I understand way more than I did when I was 12. An all-in spirit is what God's looking for. Psalm 86, 11, teach me to serve you with complete devotion. A servant is just another word. We don't like this word. But it's the biblical word, diakonos, servant or slave. That's what it means. I'm looking at a bunch of slaves this morning. Every single one of us are a slave to who? Jesus. He's His. I'm His. He's mine. But I'm here to serve Him. There's no such thing as part-time service, folks. Suppose I was your slave, all right? Just imagine with me for a moment. I am your slave, and I were to come to you, and I were to say, now, now I know I'm your slave, but I can only serve you on Sundays from 9 till noon, and then I'm out of here for the rest of the week. What would you think? Give me a break, right? That's ridiculous. And yet, how many times does our service end when the worship service is over? There's no such thing as a part-time Christian. There's no such thing as a part-time slave. We are all slaves to Jesus Christ, and that's something we need to remember on a daily basis. Number two, a servant, a true servant, sees service as an opportunity, not as an obligation. The psalmist will say in Psalm 100, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. 
You know, I sometimes see people serving, but the attitude's just not right. And I've got to admit, there's been times I've done it because I needed to do it. But I think God gives bonus points for a good attitude. How about you? See, I want to do it with a good attitude, not just because I have to. And that's the heart the psalmist had. I want that kind of a heart, don't you? Serve him with gladness, not because you have to. There is no poorer testimony than a Christian serving the Lord because he has to. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, this is the Apostle Paul talking. You need to understand the background here to really understand what this verse is about. What was Paul's name before it was Paul? Saul. And Saul just loved Christians, didn't he? I mean, he loved to like torture them and throw them in prison and see them being stoned to death. He was the one that held the coats of the men throwing the stones at Stephen, right? Okay, so that was his background. That was his life. And then on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians and imprison them, He had an encounter with Jesus. And now watch what he says. He's writing to Timothy. This is the same guy. He writes these words. I am deeply grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, why, Paul? For trusting me enough to appoint me to his ministry despite the fact that I had previously blasphemed his name. He couldn't stand the name of Jesus Christ. He would curse that name and torture those that followed him. And now he's turned that all around and said, Wow, I'm in awe of this, that God would choose to use me in ministry to serve him. How many of you have ever felt that way? It's amazing that God is using me to serve him. Lord, you don't know my background. Lord, you don't understand. I've been in prison. Lord, I've been divorced. Lord, I've had addiction issues. Lord, you don't, know, you don't know the checkered past I have. And the Lord said, yes, I do. Aren't you glad you don't have to be a perfect person to be used by Christ in ministry? Aren't you glad we have a God of second chances and third chances and will take a Saul of Tarsus and turn him into the Apostle Paul and give him a ministry? Paul was in awe of that. Number three, a true servant is motivated by what God thinks, not what other thinks. He's, he's motivated. Well, what's God's heart? What's God's attitude? Well, we know it's a servant attitude right out of the gate. But some people don't have a servant attitude. They want to become leaders in a church, whether it's in a ministry of some kind, where they have their little circle of influence, or an elder or, or a, a preacher of some kind, where he's uh, you know, going to call the shots. You know, in the world, he hasn't had any power at all, and finally, he gets a little bit of power in the church, and he goes crazy with it. And he rules with an iron fist, and it's an ugly sight. And that's the wrong motivation. It's not the motivation that Jesus Christ had. Nor is the opposite of that. You know, I'm going to get into power, and then I'm going to... I'm going to go around pleasing all of my friends, my family, my buddies. I'm going to give special favors to this person or to that person. I'm going to be a man pleaser. That's what I'm going to be. And then everyone's going to like me and say, oh, what a wonderful leader he is. No, no, that's not the attitude. This person is in tune with God. This person cares about what God thinks, 
not what man thinks. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul will write, Am I now trying to win the approval of men? There was a time in his life when he did. But of God. Who am I trying to please, men or God? Or am I trying to please men? No, he says, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And there's that word again, slave. I'm a slave of Christ. He is the one I'm out to please. He is the one I am out to serve. Now, how do you serve Christ? By serving His people. How do you serve Christ? By taking care of His kids the same way Jesus did with a servant's heart. Every leader must ask himself, why am I doing this? What is my motivation? Number four, a true servant gives the credit to who? Himself or to God? Of course to God. There's a whole lot of people that do things apparently for God, but really what they're saying is, boy, a boy." What do you think? And everyone, oh, wonderful. You know what Jesus says? You've received a reward. Right? Whether it's in your giving or in your serving, if you do it with the wrong attitude, and if you are here to get accolades, well, God will say, okay, you can have your accolades here, or you can have them with the right spirit from me. And I want mine from God. Who do you want, from men or from God? I want it from God. Peter will say in 1 Peter 4.10, Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given you. Listen, folks, I think we tend to brag on our different gifts, talents, and abilities rather than bragging on the one that gave them to us. I can't brag about a gift if it wasn't something I earned. God gave a gift. A gift is free. I I do what I do because God has gifted me to do that. Kind of wired me up to do that. And in whatever way you serve the church, notice whatever, all the different ministries that we do. Some people were serving yesterday at Parnell Park uh, at Extravaganza, sharing with the community the greatest basketball uh, program in Whittier. I believe we have that. Some were telling them about our our service next week. Others were just maybe praying and ministering. Others, I, I, I served with an elder yesterday. We went to Los Angeles to a convalescent home, and they gave me, they, about 30 people gave me the privilege of speaking to them. I shared about one or two sentences in Spanish and said, that's all I know. And they came back and said, well, we also speak English. <laughs> I said, oh, great. And so I shared the gospel with them, and they appreciated that. Just, you know, uh, others uh, are going to be joining us next, next Saturday. Remember, we've got a whole lot of guests coming on Sunday, right? So well, let's spruce the place up. You know, Keith's pulled together a team of people that said, you know what, let's, let's, you know, when companies come and you want to get the place looking nice. So we're going to spend from about 8 o'clock to around noon, you know, cleaning the place up and being, you know, proud to receive our guests. And notice, we're not going to call them visitors next week because a visitor comes and goes we're going to call them guests because we expect a guest to return again and again and again and i've got a vicky at a guest services booth that has a gift for every guest that comes next week all right and so if you're going to be a great hostess or host 
What are you going to do? You're going to seek out people you don't know that are guests, and you're going to say, I want to introduce you to Vicki. Come on over here. We're going to put them at the head of the line when it comes to, you know, Letty and her team serving that breakfast in the morning. Come over here. And, 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 and how can we serve you? That's the idea. That's the reason why we have these big days, I think. And it's one of the reasons why we have a church that is filled with people that have the servant leadership style that Jesus had. So, he says, serve one another. That's how you serve God. With the gift that God has given you, and in whatever way you serve the church, you should do it recognizing that God gives you the ability. So, see, if God's given me the ability, I can't take credit for it, right? Who gets the credit? To God be the glory in everything. And so a servant recognizes where his ability comes from, and he gives the glory to God. I can't take credit for what God does through me. I, in fact, I'm in awe of what God does. And you know what? Everybody's a tenant something. You're a tenant something. You figure out, wow, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in the church. Have you not gone to class 301? You know, it's coming up the end of April. You know, if you haven't been to that, you need to be in that. But in the meantime, you know what I tell people? that don't know what their spiritual gift is that God has wired them up to serve the church with, I tell them to try lots of stuff. Just start getting involved in different things. Um, I grew up in a church that at least once a year, sometimes more than that, uh, we had what we call here a youth Sunday. We didn't call it that back then. But on Wednesday nights, they would train us little preacher boys to, to preach a little sermonette, to read a scripture, and to lead a song. It was kind of like a Timothy class, I think is what we called that. And then we'd pick a, a Sunday or two out of the year, and then all of us little boys would get up there, and they had that little bench, you would have to stand up on it to see over the pulpit, right? And, and we'd preach a little sermon, we'd sing a little song, and when it was all over with, where's Jonathan? Jonathan, no one confirmed my singing ability, all right? Um, I, I feel your pain. One of the ways you find out what your spiritual gift is before you go to class 301, if you haven't done that yet, try some stuff and see what the body thinks about it. If they don't confirm what you're doing, you can conclude probably that's not it. But if they say, wow, when uh, you did X, Y, or Z last week, that was very impressive. You ought to continue doing that. You ought to fan that flame a little bit and bring out that little spark into a fire. God has given you a gift. The body concept will often confirm what God has placed within you. And you've seen that before. You've seen it yourself. And you've seen that in others. Now, number five. A true servant is more concerned with ministry to others than with making money. There are charlatans out there, I know. And I've not really met a truly devoted follower of Christ who is a minister of the gospel who was all that hung up on money. You've got to make a living. And, and even elders, the Bible says. An elder who does well is worthy of double honor. You should pay your elders who do well. There's nothing wrong with that. In Scripture, as a matter of fact, it is a good thing. The Bible says, he who 
works or serves by the gospel should live by the gospel. Don't even muzzle the oxen when he's treading out the, the corn or the wheat. You know, it's, it's doing a work for you. And ever, whenever he wants to bend down there, pick up some food, let him do it. Don't beat your donkey or your oxen. It's the biblical principle. Luke says, or not Luke, Luke writes what Jesus said. It just should not be the main motivation of a gospel preacher, an elder, a member of the church, a worship leader. There's paid professional worship leaders today. You know, there are in some churches, there are people that are over, uh, I got a call this past week from a big church here in Whittier that says, I'm in charge of the men and sports ministry and we need to, uh, we're having a big event and we, we're out of gym space, can we rent your gym? <laughs> and uh, I'm going, wow. You full-time staff? Yeah, full-time staff. We got a full-time nursery. We got someone in charge of taking care of all the We got a full-time education ministry. There's all kinds of ministry, full-time youth ministry. This is wonderful. If you serve the gospel, you should live by the gospel. But I've not met a single one that was motivated primarily by money. They're primarily motivated with the same motivation of Jesus. They want to see people saved. They want to see heaven a fuller place. And so Jesus will say in Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The number one excuse I hear, though, for people not serving God is, you know what it is? You probably said it yourself. I'm too busy. And what a lot of people mean by that, I'm too busy making a buck. See how that can work the other way too? Ah, no time for service. I'm too busy to have time to serve God in a ministry. You have to decide where your values are. You can't serve both, Jesus says. Number six, and then there's one more after that, we'll wrap it up. A true servant is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. We touched on this last week, but I'm touching on it now from a vantage point, not so much of elders, but of each one of us. Because you can be a leader for God whether you serve as an elder or not. The Lord's servant, there's that word slave again, and there's no part-time slaves, must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to his friends. He must be kind to his family. He must be kind to the people that he likes. Or he must be kind, multiple choice, to everyone. I'm going with everyone. How about you? Because that's what my Bible says. Now that can include your family and your friends, but it doesn't exclude your enemies. Love your enemies, Jesus said. That 40 days of love was tough, wasn't it? Boy, it's just one of the hardest things I've ever been asked to do. And then we follow that up by Jesus saying, you want to be a leader? Then you got to serve everyone like I did. And serve with my attitude, which leads me to the next point. A true servant is faithful to his ministry. 1 Corinthians 4.2, the one thing required of a servant is that he be faithful to his master. Remember, you're a slave. Who's our master? Jesus. And he told you to do what? Don't misunderstand. I think a lot of times we misread this verse. And we think Jesus is saying that I, if I'm going to be a Christian, I must be fruitful. But is that what the Word says? 
No. I must be faithful. See, the problem is, when we don't see instant fruit, we, we're Americans. We live in an instant gratification society, do we not? I mean, we have instant breakfast and instant coffee and drive through you know, fast food. We want it the way we want it, and we want it now. And when we start serving the Lord, it may take a long time for that ministry to flourish and blossom and really take off. And we might draw the wrong conclusion after faithfully serving God for a number of years that we are failures. But that verse doesn't say fruitful, does it? It says faithful. Read the life of Jeremiah. Look at that preacher and how down and discouraged he got. Because when he preached, everybody listened, right? And when he preached, everybody came forward. And when he preached, he reached thousands, no, hundreds of thousands of people repented from their sins and they turned back to God and stopped worshiping idols, correct? No, they did not listen. And so are we to conclude that Jeremiah was a failure as a prophet, as a preacher? No, why? He was faithful. Faithfulness is what the Lord is seeking. Faithfulness is what God calls of His servants. Our attitude should be not ability, but dependability. Our attitude should be trustworthiness, persistence, and faithfulness. And the perfect model of servant leadership, of course, it always goes back to Christ. Philippians chapter 2, 5 and 7. Nobody was a greater leader, and yet nobody was a greater servant than Jesus Christ. And then we're told to have the mind of Christ in us in verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. So if we're going to be like Christ, we should have the same attitude, a servant's heart. Not a selfish heart. I heard a, a story about a little boy. Um, his neighbor had just driven up, the next door neighbor, in a brand new Cadillac. And he'd never seen anything so shiny or so beautiful. And so he ran next door. And, and the man said, you like my new car? You like my new Cadillac? And the little boy says, boy, I sure do. This is beautiful. He said, you know, my brother gave it to me. And his eyes got about that big, and he goes, oh, wow. I wish, and then the man said, stop right there, young man. Don't say another word. You were about to say, you wish you had a brother like mine, weren't you? And the little boy said, no, sir. What I was going to say is, I wish I could be a brother like that. See the difference? You see the heart? Let's all try to outserve each other here at Crosspoint. And you know, let's all serve our master. And you know what I found? When we're serving him, and we're serving one another, and we're busy in kingdom stuff, we don't have time to gossip. We don't have time to fuss. We don't have time to fight with each other. Why? We're too busy serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're just too busy doing what he asked us to do. Don't get hung up on ourselves. That's the kind of people we need at Crosspoint. 
Servants who give and forgive and then serve some more with gladness. Sometimes people say to me, I'm leaving the church. Why? Why are you leaving? Now see, I don't mind people leaving our church. Really, I don't. Just let me decide which ones leave and which ones stay, all right? <laughs> but sometimes when people come, they, they just want to spray a little bit. You know, they, they're skunks and turtles. The turtles just go away quietly, but the skunks, they want And they'll come and say, I'm not leaving the church. And I always wonder, well, why? Just kind of fill me in. I want to do, maybe do a little debrief here. Well, my needs aren't being met. Oh, really? Okay. Well, if that's the case, if that's why you come to church so that your needs will be met, then of necessity, you must grant that same privilege to everybody else because if everybody's coming to get their needs met, then who's doing the meeting, right? If all we're doing here is coming to get our needs met, who's doing the meeting? There's not enough of me to meet all your needs, all right? And there's some needs that I cannot meet that only God can meet. And we're looking for people to meet needs that God says, no, that's what I am here for. I do not come to church to get my needs met. Here's what I found. As I meet the needs of others, God meets my needs. Is that how that works, Bruce? That's how that works. Jesus said, you lose your life, you will find it. Isn't that so different from the world? You see where we're supposed to be? A church and not a corporation? See where we're supposed to be? A body and not a business? We're the kingdom of God. I challenge you to look for ways to serve. Let's pray. Jesus said, You measure your ministry by its service, not by its status. What are some of the ways that you could be a servant? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that? Would you say in your heart this morning, God, I want to be a servant. And I haven't been such a good one lately. I need your help, God. It's, it's hard doing this love thing. It's difficult doing this service thing. Everything within me, my human nature is fighting me saying, serve me, meet my needs, everybody love me. And you're asking me, to do just the opposite of that. But you told me when I do the opposite of that and I become like you, then you meet my needs. You fulfill my heart, the desires of my heart. And so, Lord, help me this morning to be totally dedicated to your service. Help me to see service as an opportunity, not as an obligation. And to be motivated by what you think and not what others think. May I always give you the credit and the glory for what you do through me. May my service be about helping others and not about money. And help me to be a peacemaker and never a troublemaker. May we, may we be a church known in our community as, hey, that's that church where everybody serves each other. Father, thank you that we have elders here at Cross Point who have servants' hearts. They really do. And I've seen them, Father, give... And I've seen them forgive. And then when they were really, really tired, they gave some more. Bless these men. Bless their families. Bless them for all that they do. Bless Cross Point, Father.
to be true servants of yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.